This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we're going to get into the Word tonight, and the title of the message is this, Who Do You Say That Jesus Is? Who Do You Say That Jesus Is? And I want you to, um, we're going to look at a few verses here tonight. But it's very important that each of us, and you know, you you should know this by now, that every single person in their life, they're going to have to answer this question at some point, right? They're going to have to either realize and admit that Jesus is Savior, that He is Lord, or the, you know, they they could say, well, I don't think He was even real, or I don't, I think He was a good guy, but not Savior. But everybody, at some point or another, will have to answer this question. Now, we know, as we'll see here tonight, that yes, if you're born again, you've already admitted and said that Jesus is Savior, He's the Son of God, He's the Messiah, and you've come to that revelation and and made that decision in your heart, but you need to realize that Jesus is is a lot of things to us. And uh, and so you're going to have to choose, though, hey, what what all is he? Am I going to give him access to every part of my life? And so I want you to look at an interesting story here tonight. Matthew chapter 16. Let's flip over there. Matthew chapter 16. Praise God. Whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Get some excitement for the word tonight. Praise God. Amen. I'm loving it. I, you know, I, as I get to remind people sometimes, this is High Desert Word Center. We love a lot of things, but really up high on that list is the Word of God. Amen? And so, we're High Desert Word Center. And people, I don't know why, people get that confused. I have to say, it's a church. It's like the Word of God. I remember one time when I first became youth pastor in 2007, I was really proud. I was taking the youth group to a, a baseball game, uh, the High Desert Mavericks. And they said, if you can bring enough kids, we'll put your name up on the screen. It was a Christian night. So I got as many kids, and I took, you know, 20 kids down there or something like that. And I'm like, wait for it, kids. They're getting ready to put the group names on the screen. And, and they, we're all waiting. Then it pops up, High Desert Work center and i'm like come on we're not like work release we're not uh i don't know what you think we are because kids what are you thinking word it's not that hard and i've faced this issue for 14 years now it's a word center the word of god and if they would just come here they'd see how wild and crazy we are about god's word am i right that was your chance to yell, but you missed it. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, okay, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, oh, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, it's awesome to get some retained knowledge and information, right? And we can learn some great things about the Bible in our mind. But there's a different level that we refer to called revelation knowledge, where God reveals something to you in his word 
to your spirit and it just clicks and you know something and it's beyond the mental realm of acknowledging a fact. You got some revelation from God. And, and Jesus just said, Peter, well, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this. You didn't learn this from some class or from some human being. You were revealed this by my Father. You were revealed to this by my Father in heaven. And so this is a huge, huge statement and moment because right here, Peter got it. Oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. This, this is the man. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God right here. He got it. And to this day, there's people that don't get it. There's people that just, you know, that, that, that they have not received this revelation yet. And at some point in time, as I said, you have to answer this question and you have to answer it for yourself. Now, was Jesus asking this because he forgot who he was? Guys, can you tell me who people say I am? I forget. Was he fishing for compliments? Guys, come on, uh, come on, I haven't been, you know, what do you think, you know? Well, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't need affirmation from these guys. He didn't, wasn't fishing for compliments. He wasn't having an identity crisis. I'm just trying to find out who I am. I'm going to go on a journey and just, no, it wasn't none of those things. He knew that, hey, you're going to have to answer someday. You might as well figure it out right now. Who do you say that I am, Peter? John, James, Thaddeus, guys, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And so Jesus is asking you the same thing today in 2021. Who do you say that Jesus is tonight in your life? Is he just an inspiration piece, or is he your Savior? Is he your healer? What is he to you? And the and listen, we know that he's everything, but you're going to have to answer that question for your life because he's not going to force himself in there and just become all these things to you. He will do what you allow him to do in your life. And so there's a lot of lessons wrapped up in these couple of verses, and we're going to try to dig into it tonight. But let's go ahead and pray and get into the word. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, uh, for your holy written word. And God, I thank you that we have the, the logos, the written word of God to study. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as we look at your word tonight, that it's going to become alive to us. It's going to speak to us, God. If we got questions, I pray they get answered. If, if there's things that we need changed, I pray that your word will change us tonight. But we thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful, and it's going to do some work tonight in our lives in the name name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. So I'm just going to look at two points tonight. And, uh, you know, there's just so much in here. But the first thing that I'm getting out of this passage is this. Number one, it doesn't really matter what everybody else is saying. It doesn't really matter what everybody else's opinion is. Now, you know, on some topics, it's fine to get a consensus, you know, hey, pizza or tacos for lunch, you know, whatever, you know, take a vote. That's fine. Uh, but, but listen, there's some things that you have to answer for yourself. Now, it's strange, isn't it, that, that Jesus, first of all, asked, who do other people say that I am? 
Why didn't he just say, guys, who do you think that I am? Come on, let's get this over with. Why didn't he say, first of all, who do people, what's everybody on the street saying? Who do people, what's the consensus? What is everybody coming up with here? What's everybody saying? Who do people say that I am? And this really tells me that even back then, there was a problem with just going along with the crowd. And so the guys could have said, well, you know, the majority says, this is it. And they started throwing some things out there. Well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist. Some people are uh, saying that uh, you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And and so, you know, what's the popular thing here? What's everybody saying about who Jesus is? But he wasn't trying to get out what everybody else said. And I could I could go out on the streets right now and ask this exact same question. Who's Jesus Christ? And I'm going to tell you that I would get a lot of answers, but a lot of them would start with this. Well, my grandma says that he's this. Well, my daddy always told me this. Well, the man on TV says this. Or, well, I, uh, my wife told me this. And, and, and what would happen is, just like the apostles were doing right here, well, some people say this, and, and well, somebody told me this back over there, and that's nice. They have their opinion, but, but their opinion doesn't count in your life. You've got to make a decision. Who do you say that I am? My dad always told me that Jesus was the healer. And, and that's great. My dad always, mom always told me that he's the savior of the world. And that's great. And we parents need to be teaching our kids this and laying this foundation at this age. But make no mistake about it. There will come a day that they're going to have to answer this question for themselves. When I die and I stand before God and I'm standing at the gates of heaven, I can't say, well, Really, my dad told me this, and my dad uh, was a Christian, and my dad was a preacher, and so that's all great. But David Samples, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And if I can't answer that question truthfully myself, it's nice that my dad thought one thing, and my mom said another, and all my friends and family had their beliefs about Jesus, but their beliefs are not going to get me into heaven. I'm going to have to make that decision someday for myself. Who do you say Jesus is? When I was three and I had leukemia, no doubt about it, my parents' faith got me out of that hospital. I know that because I knew some word at that age already, but I know that I just, I was a little kid. I was a baby. I, 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 there's not so much I could do, but I know it was their faith that got me out of there and all throughout my childhood. Honestly, I was very healthy, did not get sick very often at all. But the, you know, the few times that I did, uh, you know, mom and dad would pray and I mean, I would just get healed like that. Then it came to when I was an adult and all of a sudden, hey, I gotta start really believing God for myself. I can't just piggyback on mom and dad's faith for the rest of my life. I'm gonna have to decide, wait a minute. Jesus is the healer and I'm gonna have to do something with that foundation that they laid in my life. And that's why, again, so many times a new Christian comes in and we just lay hands on them and they get their answers and their healings and their miracles like crazy instantly. And then as you start growing a little bit more, you're starting to be a little bit responsible for who you believe Jesus is now. And the preacher, after a while, you know, you got it's nice to piggyback on his faith, but after a while, God's going to expect you to learn some Bible verses for yourself. 
He's going to expect you to speak the word. He's going to expect you to resist the devil in your life. And we're more than happy to do all that for you. But after a while, you're going to have to grow to the point where you have to start fighting some of these battles with your own faith. And so it was cool that some people thought he was John the Baptist. It was cool that some people thought he was Elijah or Jeremiah. And, you know, that's cute. But but <laughs> that wasn't going to help Peter. That wasn't going to help Matthew. That wasn't going to help these guys. They had to make the determination who they knew and thought that Jesus is. And Peter gets it. He's like, oh, my gosh. You're the Mas- you are the son of the living God. And he's like, oh, Peter, you get it. You get it right now. And it was a life-changing moment. But... We need to realize that, have you found this out, the majority is not always right? I've learned that. And, I, you know, I heard this quote, but it's true. If 50 million people say a foolish thing, it's still a foolish thing. <laughs> just, because, just because everybody's saying something stupid doesn't mean that, well, there's 50 million stupid people then. But that doesn't mean they're all right just because they're all saying it. And you, we're going to have to realize that even, even if everybody else in America says, well, Jesus was great, but he wasn't the son of God, then they're all wrong. If you're the only person that gets it, then you're the only person that gets it. But listen, the majority is not always right. And so that's why it's so important for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus for yourself. It's important for you to come to church for yourself, not just because someone's forcing you to. It's important for you to read the Bible for yourself. You have to know who Jesus is because he is not going to force his way into your life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Praise God. Are you glad you came tonight? I'm glad you came. I like you. Matthew chapter 7. Most of you anyway. Matthew chapter 7. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) Okay. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. And so here we are, Matthew 7, 13 and 14 in the New King James. Now, check this out. Jesus said, you enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Wow. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, this blows up a lot of beliefs right away. Uh, Jesus clearly said the majority of people are wrong. Think about that. You're in the minority here. Well, it's America, man. We're a Christian nation, man. Come on, man. Listen. Listen. The majority of people are wrong. And Jesus said, few there are who actually find it. Narrow is the road to heaven. And it's a lot easier to just join in with the crowd, isn't it? It's a lot easier to just. There's no resistance. The devil has never tried to stop you from drinking a beer. The devil's never tried to stop you from lighting it up. Has he? I mean, he's like, oh, go for it, man. It'd be good. Get stuff. Yeah, come on. No, the devil, he puts no resistance. When I want to do wrong, the devil is never sitting there. No, you need to think about this for a minute. You need to stop and pause. Think about it for just a minute. But he puts resistance when I'm trying to go to church. My kids could have been angels all week long. 
Easy like Sunday morning. No, it's not. That's a lie. It's not easy like Sunday mornings can be hard when you've got little kids, right? You know, they, they've been good all week long and then something happens on Sunday morning and then, you know, something dumb happens and, and, and there's resistance. There's resistance to do the things of God. I remember when I, uh, 18, I got a job at FedEx. It was about 40 minutes from my house to, in Indianapolis. And so I decided, man, you know what? I'm going to become a man of prayer. Yeah. And so I decided I'm going to pray in tongues every day the whole ride. I'm going to pray the fire from heaven down. I'll be fortunate if my S10 Chevy pickup just doesn't blow up in flames because it is on fire. And so, I mean, I'm ready. I am stoked for that first day of prayer. And, I mean, I hit it. I pull out of the driveway. I'm just, you know, praying it down. And then, I mean, after a while, I'm like, man, this has been a good while. This must have been the, the 30 minutes already. I look down. It's been like four minutes. Whoa. What happened? I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through. And then I noticed, man, if I was just trying to listen to the radio, I would be wide awake the whole time. But every day that I tried to just start spending time in prayer, there was massive resistance against me. I would be, like, dozing off. I'd be, my mind would be wandering and all this stuff. None of that happened if I was just listening to some music on the radio or thinking about stupid things. But the minute I tried to get spiritual... There was massive resistance. Has anybody else noticed this before? There's no resistance when you're trying to, you know, when you're doing something wrong. He doesn't try to stop you. But when you're trying to do something right, when you're trying to do something spiritual, there is resistance. And so, again, we're going to have to decide for ourselves what we're going to do and who we're going to serve There's no resistance going with the crowd, but there is resistance. And Jesus did say difficult is the way. I know some people are like, yeah, it's easy to be a Christian. Well, it's easy to receive Jesus. You know, there's parts of it are easy, and it's the best life ever. (laughs) I would not want to go one day without Jesus. I mean, I I don't, not one day. You couldn't write me a check for $10 billion to say, just go one, uh, no, keep it. There's no way I would want to go one day without Jesus. But there is some resistance to this lifestyle. There is, in fact, uh, Paul told Timothy that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And uh, so you just know now, if you stand up for Jesus, it's not going to make everybody happy with you. There's going to be some resistance. There's going to be some persecution that comes against you. But I don't care. I'm sticking on the narrow path, even if me and my house are the only ones going on it. We're sticking on the narrow path. I've made my decision because I decided and I chose, you know, Jesus said, well, David Samples, who do you say that I am? I say that you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You are my savior. My life is yours, Jesus. You're everything to me. I want you to look at these verses in the Message Bible. You know, the Message Bible is a little bit wild. It's a, it's a paraphrased version, so it's not a word-for-word translation. But I do, I do like this. And so it says it this way. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easy-going formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. And I mean, that speaks to me right there, that there's no shortcuts to God. Like, God, I mean, I want the whole heaven thing, 
I just don't want to get you my life down here, you know what I'm saying? So if I could just kind of squeeze in the side gate to heaven and still just kind of do all this crazy stuff down here, that would be great, okay? And there's no shortcuts. <laughs> there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the man himself, Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to get to heaven on my terms. I'm getting to heaven on his terms. I'm not trying to do it my way. My way stinks. I want to do it his way. Even if it goes against my thinking, if it goes against my what my flesh wants to do, I'm going to do things his way. And I'm telling you right now, mark my words. In the end times, you simply cannot choose the path of least resistance. It's going to lead you to a man that you don't want to go to. And I'm not going to go into it, but I'm talking about the Antichrist. That's who I'm talking about right now. If you just want to take the path of least resistance... You're not going to do so well in the end times. I'm telling you that right now. Because there's going to come some things that you've got to stand up against. And it is going to be hard. And you're seeing that now. That there's some things like, hey, you've got to make some choices and stand against some things right now. That may or may not go against your beliefs. But uh, there's going to be a day coming. coming. I'm telling you, Revelation told us that there will be a man, a world leader, to rise up on the scene, and he will be the Antichrist, and and he's going to make it a rule where, hey, you cannot buy anything or sell anything, go anywhere, do anything, unless you receive my mark and my approval on you. And, hey, some people are going to be like, well, you know what, whatever, they'll take it. And at that point, (laughs) it tells us, once you receive his mark, you are not getting into heaven. That is, that's, it's over with. Now I'll say, I have, now I guess these days I gotta preface this, okay? Here you go. The vaccine's not the mark of the beast. There you go, I said it, okay? <laughs> get it if you want to, if you don't want to, don't get it. I don't care. You shouldn't be forced to do something against your will though. That's not right. But you know, you do what you wanna do. But I do believe that what we're seeing now is clearly opening the door to this whole thing. All right. I think if you want to get it, go get it. If you don't want to, don't go get it. But I'll say this much that we are clearly seeing now that there will be enough power to say, hey, you get what we say to get or you can't go and shop at the store anymore. You can't you can't sell anything. You can't buy anything. That day's coming. And so what I'm saying right now is don't get into the habit of just following the crowd and taking the path of least resistance. You should have some guts. You should have some backbone. And even if everybody else says Jesus was uh, Jeremiah, he was one of the prophets, uh, reincarnated, and you say, no, he wasn't. He was. He is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God is who he is. And I know you all say what you want to say, but I am telling you right now that Jesus is the Savior of the world, whether you agree with it or not. And so... What are we talking about? You can't just take the easy way. But here's what I'm getting to is this, is my number two, is this. Who do you say Jesus is? Again, you know, well, grandma said this. My daddy always told me this. And all the, well, uh, uh, according to this census, everybody says this. That's fine. Let them think what they want. But you have to answer this question. If not now, you'll have to answer it after you die, and then it's too late to do anything about it. Who do you say Jesus is? And so why is it so important who you say Jesus is? Why, well, why does it matter? Can I, can I just be neutral on this thing? And I know we like to be neutral on things, you know. Isn't it fun, you, you know, you ask your wife, well, where do you want to eat dinner at? Honey, I don't care. 
Okay, let's go here. No, not that, not that, not that. <laughs> anyway, fun stuff. All you married people know that's how it is. And you will never agree, children, teenagers, young people, unmarried people, mark my words, there will never be a time that you agree on the thermostat ever in your life with your spouse. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. That's a rhema from heaven right there. You need to know that, okay? But but why is it so important? Why is it so important who you personally say Jesus is? Because to the extent that you believe in him is the extent of what he'll do for you in your life. If you don't believe that Jesus is the peace giver, he's not going to force the peace of God which surpasses all understanding all up on you. You're going to have to believe that Jesus is the peace giver. If you don't believe that Jesus heals, you're probably not going to receive healing from Jesus. You've got to make some choices here. Who do you say that Jesus is? And all throughout the four Gospels, Jesus placed high importance on your personal, individual faith. You know, in Matthew 9, a group of blind men came in and, and asked him uh, for healing. And Jesus said, do you believe I can do it? And they said, yes, we believe. He healed them. He healed all of them. But he asked them, do you believe I can do this? Why didn't he just do it? Because you're going to have to use your faith to receive some things from God. You're going to have to start using your own faith. In John 11, uh, his friend Lazarus had died. And his sisters are there crying out the tomb. And, 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 and Jesus says, Martha. She's like, I know he's going to be resurrected someday. I know that at the end, at the resurrection of the dead, my brother will come back to life. And Jesus is like, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. And that's one of the beautiful times that Jesus used this phrase. But he said, Martha, do you believe this? And so he constantly, throughout the four Gospels, kept saying, do you believe do you believe I can do this? And so there's a great part of receiving from God that comes down to if you really believe that Jesus is able and willing to do that in your life. You've got to have some personal revelation of who Jesus is in your life. You're going to have to have some personal, I'm going to say it again, you have to have some personal revelation of who Jesus is in your life. And I mean, I have come to some revelation and some conclusions of who I say that Jesus is in my life, but you're going to have to choose some things in your life. And so I'm just going to share with you four little things that, for me personally, now if I were to sit down and write out the full list, I'd be writing until he came back from heaven to get me, because it's an endless list of what all and who all Jesus is. But just uh, just sitting down, just four brief things that, that I have determined for sure that Jesus is. A, I say Jesus is my Savior. You know, who do you say he is? I say Jesus is my Savior. And I've got a beautiful verse right here, Luke 2.11, New King James, Luke 2.11. And this is uh, a verse that we often use with Christmas. And I decided, you know what, there's only 94 days till Christmas, so let's start bringing the Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even better than that, only 40 days until we're past Halloween and the real Christmas season starts. Somebody give praise to God tonight. Come on, yeah. All right, 40 days. But anyway, 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 besides all that, uh, right here, look at this. Right here at the beginning of his life, right when he's born, 
the angels appear. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a great magician, a great educator, a wonderful, terrific athlete was born today in the city of David. No. There was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We've got a Savior that was born on that Christmas night. And a Savior is exactly what we needed. Now, salvation, I've said this, but you need to know that some people think that salvation simply means your ticket to heaven. And it definitely is your pathway to heaven. But salvation is this Greek word, soteria, and it means prosperity, welfare, deliverance, preservation, safety. It means the whole package. Salvation is not only your get-out-of-hell-free card. It is so much more than that. Salvation from Jesus is the deluxe package, and most people don't realize all the benefits that they have with Jesus. You ever found out something, then, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this came with that, or I didn't realize, you know, uh, this came with that. I mean, listen, Jesus is the deluxe package. I, I was I was just thinking of this. I was at the car wash last fall time getting a car wash, and I was sitting out there with this Karen. You know, sorry to say that, but anyway, sitting out there, and, and they bring my car out, and, and this lady's like, hey, that's not fair. Why'd you do all this stuff to his car and not mine? And the lady's like, uh, the, the guy's like, ma'am, he signed up for the diamond package. You paid for the, for the basic wash. <laughs> There's a lot that came with this package over here that was paid for, and you just got the basic deal. And that's fine. Hey, praise God. It's good to get a basic car wash, but I paid for the diamond package. Man, it was an extra $12, but I didn't even care. I just put it on out there. And listen, there's all sorts of great benefits that came with it, but You need to know that Jesus is the real deal. He is not only your ticket to heaven. He is your, I mean, he is everything. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he is everything. And it's sad when we don't take full advantage of what belongs to us. And so Jesus is my savior. B, I say Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my peace. And I'm telling you that I live in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and I have the peace of God in my life. And you're like, well, I don't see how that's possible. But listen, we have the peace of God. It's been paid for, and I want it. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And what we have here is, coincidentally, another Christmas verse. But, hey, we're talking about Jesus and Jesus is all about Christmas, and Christmas is all about Jesus. And so, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and what we have here is Isaiah prophesied that this Savior was going to be born. And and so he says all these things that Jesus is, and I just, it's a beautiful verse here, Isaiah 9 verse 6, says, For unto us a child is born. Like, well, well, the Savior's not going to be some kid. He, uh, but no, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And here it is. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Look at this. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
Where Jesus goes, he brings the peace of God with him. Jesus is peace. The born-again Christian should have the peace of God in his or her life. Great peace have they which love thy law. When you are in the word of God, Psalm 119 tells us, you will have great peace. And so if you've been in the word of God, you will have great peace. There's no doubt about it. I can't help but open up my Bible. And I'm telling you right now, you, you know, I know everybody does. Some people are night people. Some people are morning people. Whenever you do your main hardcore study time, that's up to you. But I believe that you should start your day with Jesus, no matter no matter what. You know, I believe that he gets the best first cut of your day. And uh, and I mean, I just I can't I cannot walk out of that house without having spent some time in the Word of God. And listen, great peace comes to me <laughs> because Jesus is. The Prince of Peace. It's what he's all about. He brings peace. Now I want you to look real quick. I'm going to go at a few verses real quick here. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Mark 4, verse 39. And so uh, we shared a little bit about this Sunday, but there's a storm that rose up when Jesus and the disciples were crossing to the other side of the lake. Of course, the disciples are like, Jesus, you don't even care. You don't even care what happens to us. And don't you care we're going to drown? Did you forget about us? And they start whining and throwing a little fit. And what we have here, we have Jesus doing what he does best, bringing peace to the bad situation. You ever notice that when there's a bad situation, if you'll bring Jesus into the midst, peace comes. He's the prince of peace. And I let Jesus be that peace in my life. Mark 4, verse 39, so they're all flipping out over the storm. Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice that Jesus wasn't even remotely bothered by this storm. He got up and he spoke peace into the situation. Whenever there's turmoil and a bad situation in my life, I'm telling you right now, I speak peace into that situation in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peace be still. Rebuke that storm in your life. Don't just sit there putting up with it. Speak peace into the situation. You need to get a hold of Jesus. You need to let him be the peace in your life telling you he's not going to force it upon you there's a lot of people well i'm a christian i don't have no peace and i just don't know what you're talking about and blah 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 and listen you need to know what i'm talking about because the peace is available to you but who do you say jesus is he's my ticket to heaven that's great i mean that's one one part of it but who do you say jesus is you better be able to say he is my prince of peace you got I, I can't say that for you. You're going to have, you can't say, well, Pastor Dave says he's the Prince of Peace and the Mighty God and the Counselor. First of all, I didn't say it. Isaiah did, okay? But on top of that, you're going to have to start saying some of these things for yourself. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And here's a big one for me. See, I say Jesus is my healer. And that is a massive part of my belief system and it is a massive part of what we teach and preach that is a foundation at this church jesus is 
our healer. You cannot tell me otherwise. Jesus is my healer. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. But listen, when the whole world's melting down, I'm not melting down. Jesus is my healer. I'm not believing for any sickness, but even if sickness did attack me, Jesus is my healer. Mark 1, verses 40 through 42. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And I'm going to tell you right now, any time that I pray for healing, never, ever, 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 ever do I say, if it's your will, because I know what his will is. It's established in the word of God. And that's where so many people go wrong. I mean, I'm not putting down that I, people, you know, Lord, if it be thy will, heal my child. If it be thy will, heal this person. If, it, if, it, if you really want to, Jesus. I mean, how dare us doubt and question the compassion of Jesus Christ. It's his will, and not just because that makes sense, but because the word of God says it time and time and time again. You can I said this Sunday night, but you can look at all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and find one time when somebody came to Jesus for healing, find one time where he said, it's not my will. You won't find it. It is not in there. Well, yeah, that was back then. So you're telling me Jesus changed? I'm calling blasphemy on you. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? His will doesn't change. Jesus is my healer. Well, I know, but I haven't received that. Well, listen, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. If you want to receive him as healer, go ahead. You can, I mean, you can still have him as savior and go to heaven and, you know, that's fine. But praise God, I'm not believing to go to heaven sick. I'm going to, I want to go and be an old man in old age or whatever and die like Moses did and just, hey, I've had enough. I'm going to go now. And that's fine. But listen to me. You have to choose if you're going to receive Jesus as your healer. And again, you're going to have to make some choices for yourself. It's nice to piggyback on everybody else's faith, but you're going to have to come to a point where you decide in your heart, you know what, Jesus, I do believe you are my healer, and I believe I'm going to receive this from you, Jesus. And then the last thing I'm going to say is this, and I mean, this it may sound generic, but it's not. I say Jesus is my everything. He is everything to me. And that's the only way I know how to put it. I mean, I realize every Christian would probably say this. Hopefully they would. But you can tell when someone means it, and you can tell when they're just trying to say the right thing, right? <laughs> and so I'm telling you right now, Jesus needs to be your everything. As we move forward into the coming seasons of life in this world, the separation is going to be more and more clear of the committed Christians and the lukewarm Christians. And I believe that with all my heart. The gap is going to get wider and wider between the committed Christians and the lukewarm Christians that just got the warm fuzzies when they visited church on a Sunday and those that would die for Jesus. And you need to get to this place in your life where you could say, Jesus, you're my everything. 
There's a lot of things in this life that I don't want to do without, but I could do without. But I could not do without Jesus. I couldn't do without Jesus. Not one day. And I know that we said that earlier, but that's the absolute truth. Jesus is our best friend. If you'll, if you'll let him be. He wants to be that. He's not going to force anything on you. Do you have this relationship with Jesus where you can literally talk to him just like you do your brother or sister or your friend? Where you can just stop your day, Jesus, I need to talk for a minute. I have had some stuff come up. I need to talk. I know you already know about it, but I need to talk to you for a few minutes right now. I just I need some time with you. What's your relationship with Jesus like? Is it superficial or real rigid? Is it is it this... Well, I follow the commandments, and I, I go to church uh, when I can, and I, and I do this. And, I mean, is that your relationship? That's not healthy. Listen, you need to have a real relationship with Jesus where you talk to him, and he talks to you, and, and you can bring things to him, and he can trust you with things. And, and, and I'm just telling you right now. You're going to have to just develop this relationship with Jesus, a real one, not a superficial, not one that looks good on Instagram. I'm talking about a real relationship with Jesus. And listen, you won't regret it. I don't, I mean, I don't regret anything about Jesus. I love him. But bottom line is this. In your life, you have to answer this question it's, it's nice that she said this, and he said this about me, but Jesus is asking you right now, okay, who do you say that I am? Am I your healer? Am I, am I just your inspiration? Am I your, you know, good quotes for you? Well, what am I? Am I your savior? Am I your prince of peace? Am I your joy? Am I your provider? Am I your deliverer? Am I your protector? Am I your safety? What am I to you? And if you will accept him, as all of these great things I just listed, he'll become that to you and so much more. But you have to make some decisions for yourself. You have no idea how powerful the power of choice is. But Joshua said it this way, choose today who you're going to serve. I made my choice. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about you all, but we made our decision. And so I'm telling you right now, you've got to make your decision. Who do you say that Jesus is? Amen. All right, we better end it there tonight. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Can we do that? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.